Good morning and welcome to the Monday Main Point. It is Monday, uh, June 28th. I had to look at the calendar here. Uh, and uh, 2021, uh, we are here at Rosa Sharon Baptist Church uh, for Monday Main Point. I'm Jonathan Hendrickson, the associate pastor. And I'm here with uh, Jeremiah Custer, our youth pastor, Blake Flinch, I'm our children's pastor, and our senior pastor, Jeff McCarthy. And on Monday Main Point, uh, we like to just kind of go back and look over uh, the Sunday sermon together as pastors. As I've said before on this podcast, we we do that anyway. And we just thought, wait, well, let's just take a microphone into the room when we do it and um, invite other people into our conversation. And so we're going to be in very familiar territory today since yesterday's message was uh, entitled, Whosoever Believes in Him. Actually, it was Whoever Believes in Him. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. Whosoever would be like the old KJV version. I thought uh, I, I, thought I <laughs> titled it that, but I guess I didn't. I think you, I think you titled it actually Whoever Believes yeah. in Him, um, uh, which is the NKJV version. <laughs> but right. anyway, uh, the, the, the text is a real familiar text. It's John 3.16. And, um, you know, you, you made a point in your intro uh, about, the, about the whole people holding up posters and stuff. And, and I got to thinking... I, you know, it would be really, it would be an interesting study to do uh, to find out, like, how many people really know what that means. Like, like, like just if you just sort of polled, polled a group of people after an athletic event or something and said, you know, when that guy's holding up John 3.16, do you know what it is? Do, do you know what it is? Yeah, like maybe after a game, just... Yeah, yeah, kind of like, like ask people. Street, yeah, yeah, kind of like a man on the street kind of thing to see how many people really... That would be interesting. How many people really know what it is? And I wonder, like, if 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 the ge- uh, the geographical location would matter, that kind of thing. I mean, we're we're here in 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 Durham, North Carolina, and I think you're still part of the Bible Belt kind of thing, even though Durham is more urban uh, mm-hmm. than than um, than you know. Yeah, the ACC in the South and the Southeast Conference and the Southwest Conference or whatever it's called now. Anything in the South, probably, you'd have a more typical cultural understanding of what it would mean. I would think so. But once you kind of get, like, New England, uh, Washington, Portland area, maybe even parts of California, people would be like, yeah, what is that? Yeah, and then then that got me thinking, too, you know, from a child, like, really early on, I learned that verse. Mm -hmm. and. And and I, and I thought to myself as you're preaching, I'm thinking, well, I wonder, uh, you know, if you asked, you know, how, how teams will do the Lord's prayer together, and they, you know, they say it. So a lot of athletes know the Lord's prayer, um, but I wonder if you got into a room and said, okay, let's everybody recite John three sixteen, and it's not a church room; it's just like a room full of people. How many people would know it and be able to say it, and how many people would be like, you know, just catching words here and there, you know? And so, well, and then say, now does anybody know what this verse means? Oh, well, that's a whole other conversation, <laughs> and that's really what we're going to get into here. But I, I just, I, I wonder, yeah. I wonder how well, like, I, there was a time in my life that if you had said, how many people do you think, you know, percentage wise, how many people do you think know John three sixteen? And I, of course, I grew up in southeastern Kentucky, mm-hmm. and so you know, my answer would have been colored by my own experience. But I would have thought that, oh, like you know, ninety percent of people know John three sixteen. Um, or more, right? Or, or even more, yeah. right? But I, I, I don't know. I really don't know, and I wonder. Well, if um, only six percent of people have a biblical worldview, right? It would show you that ninety-four percent of the people may or may not even have a understanding of what it's even about. Yeah, and then I mean, you were talking about. I mean, I, I was, a, I was a wrestling fan at one time yeah, yeah, too, yeah, yeah, yeah. and so yeah, Stone Cold Steve Austin sort of took that whole thing and made it Austin 316. And then you said you saw that dude with a shirt that said Dad 316 yeah, because I, I said was, so. Uh, yeah, Ali <laughs> and I were out back, and we were talking about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, to- I was telling her about <laughs> Stone Cold Steve Austin. Of course, she didn't know anything She has no idea who that is. <laughs> like, you know, what his version of John 316 was. And then, right. like, so this guy, like, walks in, and his, his shirt says Dad 316. I was uh, like, oh my gosh, he's got a shirt that says Dad 316. I don't understand all that. Like, <laughs> and then he turned around, uh, I guess, to go to his car, tell his wife he could be seated or whatever. And Dad has on the back, because I said so. <laughs> and I was like, but well, that's kind of the same thing Steve Austin did. He was like, yeah. He did something to a guy, beat him up, and he said, that's what that's what Austin 316 says. 
you know because I said so yeah well not I said so it's it's uh I just kicked your yeah, fanny. Right, yeah, so yeah. That's what Austin 316 says. So, that, right. so then the next, I watched his biography. So the very next event they had, tons of signs were up saying Austin 316. Yeah. And they knew then, boom, this is huge. And yeah. that's when the t-shirts and thing rolled out. Yeah. The people, wrestling fans, the South, yeah. a lot of them are probably Baptists, let's, let's be honest. <laughs> they knew... The kind of connection, right? And so they just blew up. So. Yeah, yeah. But I, but I, I find it interesting, and I, I, <laughs> I just think it would be, um, you know, we talk about practical application and stuff in here a lot, and I just thought, I mean, practically speaking, I wonder how many people see the sign in the end zone and wonder what is that, and even those who do know it, I think you're right. What does it mean? And and that's really what we're going to get into and, today. You know, let's be honest. I just did a sermon on it. But if we actually sat down next week and said, everybody tell us in your own words what this means <laughs> to a church group of people that are, you know, should be biblically literate and all that. Yeah. You would get a lot of hesitation and really. No, I think you would. Stairs, no, which I, is kind of sad, you know, really. Yeah. I mean, it, it's been said and I don't remember who said it, uh, but it's been said that John 316 is the gospel in a nutshell. Mm. Um, I don't know who originally coined that. Do you guys know? No. By chance? Do you know who said that? Mm-hmm. Okay, good. I'm, I'm glad I went that. I, I, I thought, I don't know, maybe I should Everybody has said it, so somebody yeah, Everybody said has said it, but I think it, it was originated somewhere, obviously. Yeah. Which, you know, to get back to the witness point, we all have used it. I've even used it. And just oh, yeah. said it, but not didn't really explain it. I went on to the next verse I was going to use. Right. So I think it's I think it's important for us to pause there, maybe. <laughs> and like, like I said, with the Ethiopian eunuch, Maybe if they looked that verse up in Google, well, somebody needs to explain it to them. Yeah, and, and, and let's be fair about it. <clears throat> if you Google John 3.16 and wrote, what does this mean? You're going to get a number of interpretations on that. I mean, you really will. You won't get just a single interpretation of it. I'm sure that there are people who will take it and say it means one thing, say another group will say it means something else entirely. Um, but let's talk about what we believe that it means um, because... Um, hermeneutically speaking, um, you used that word yesterday. I'm, I'm free to use it today. <laughs> hermeneutically speaking, I, we believe that the Bible has one meaning. Like it doesn't have multiple meanings. It's not, you know, hey Jeremiah, what does John three sixteen mean to you? And Blake, what does John three sixteen mean to you? Um, it has one meaning. God intended, you know, the God as the author had one meaning in in, in his mind when he when he spoke this word and and. You inspired John to write this uh, through his spirit, but it does have multiple application. And, you know, it can be applied multiply, I believe. And uh, but we want to get down to what it means. And um, I think you know the you spent a lot of time. We'll just hit this verse real quick. This is the NKJV version of it. So it, um, it's for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him and that's the key verse that you sort of um, honed in on should not perish but have everlasting life Um, so there's John 3 16 we're going to talk at length about that whoever believes in him Um, and so that's sort of because that was the title of your message and the first point you brought up is Believing in him, believing in Jesus, involves a spiritual transformation. Um, that it's not just a, <clears throat> this is not just a, a, an act of, uh, uh, of the intellect. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that's really important. Um, I, I do think that there is a, a difference Although I can't quite put my finger on it, I'll be honest. But I do believe there's a difference in, say, you know, my I look outside and I see, um, you know, I see the sky and I believe that the sky is blue, right? That's an intellectual ascent. I ascent to the belief that the sky is blue, right? Um, it maybe maybe it's the case that the sky is gray and somebody's just holding up something, but you know, making me think that it's blue. You know, it's, I'm looking out the window and I think I'm actually looking at the sky. It's a gray sky today. 
but because somebody's put some sort of painted scene in front of me, I think that it's blue. I believe that it's blue, right? That's a belief I can, I can create. Um, we have lots of beliefs like that. Actually, in fact, belief is passive. It, it just sort of happens to us. We, we, um, um, we don't really, I don't think that we choose so much to believe as beliefs happen to us. But this kind of belief is different, right? Because we believe, <laughs> we believe as Christians that this kind of belief involves some, some act of the will. Does that make sense? Do you get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like I don't will the belief that I don't will a belief that the sky is blue. I just look and go, hmm, that's a blue sky, right? But there's a will, there's a will that seems to be in play here when we're talking about this kind of belief. And you spend a lot of time talking about this in in, in, in terms of what John the purpose of John's gospel, for instance. And John says, These are written so you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. John says, the whole reason I've written this Mm. is so that you will believe. Mm. The reason why I'm sharing these signs with you is so that you will believe. And um, I mean, you did a little bit of word study on that word belief. And and, oh, the thing that you said uh, that really blew me away, man, was the number of times that belief is used in this way in John compared to everywhere else yes. in the Bible. It's pretty awesome. That's, that's, you said in the, in the entirety of the Old Testament, what was it? 249. 249? I think, it is, it is, of course, no, 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 that's the whole, whole Bible. The whole Bible, yeah. No, I'm talking about the, the Old Testament. I think it was Oh, like just 40, 20 times. 20, it was 20. 20 times it is used as, it, it, the, Which the, I think that's probably a real, I didn't really, Search it out, but I think there's probably something to that. Yeah, that, that is no. only used twenty times in the, in the Old Testament, but then the New Testament is where the other two hundred twenty nine times. So that just shows you that you know, because they had the law, they had circumcision, they had uh, structures and things, but they were believing in a future, a future Messiah. But once Jesus shows up, it changes everything. Really, even the way you believe. I'm, sure. You know, so I didn't really get a chance to dig into that. But that would be good if somebody ever wanted to go back and like uh, I, do another uh, sermon no, it's, on it. it's, it's kinda, to, yeah, it's still that, that can up because I, I think that's important. Yeah, no, it completely stood out to me when you said that. Yeah. I thought, wow, that's, I did not realize that. I didn't realize that. When John uses it. You said, and it's only like a, just a handful times. of verse, a handful of books too. It's like most books only maybe it might, like, like it was like, a whole total is like about 15 books couple of them had it twice and one you know a bunch of them had it just one time which is really amazing right but then john has like 99 times right something yeah yeah so even in the new testament he out you know he's outperforming everybody else right is that in it i don't remember was that in the verb form no i think i think just believe uh, i think believe the translation of believe Uh um and and when you do those uh those things come up. It's depending on what version you're looking at. Yeah. So this was probably the Old King James, mm-hmm. and it's probably just that word. And then it, then they use it with the so, they connect it with the Greek word that will go with it. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, that's. Well, I probably have to look into a little bit more, but I was just yeah. taking the guy's word for it that kind mm-hmm. of did it. Well, right. I, and and that that sort of brings up another question I had about this, right? So is because of <clears throat> because like I said, I, I I've. I've thought about belief a lot and like what does it mean to believe um, and you know that's the philosopher in me right, right. but but I'm, I'm just curious is the word that's being used here does it actually come with that extra is it, this a different word of no, belief? I think this is the, the verb one because uh, mm-hmm. the noun one is different mm-hmm. this one is okay. pisteo and the noun is pisteo right is it pisteo faith mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Okay. He said that. Yes. Yeah. That's which, that's the root of it, but that's the noun of it. This is the verb. So this is the verb form of faith. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh. So when we to go back to your point a second ago that this is more of an active thing rather right. than being passive, I think that's a good distinction to make to know that the root is the same for faith and yes. And he actually said that uh, repentance I think has a similar. 
Well, I was I, re- I did a quote from uh, that humor, hermeneutic guy. Oh yeah, because he said repent was never used in the book of John. Yeah, it says the Greek. Okay, here it is. The Greek word pisteo means to believe, trust, mm-hmm. rely upon, and is related to its noun pistis, which is faith. Mm-hmm. In his gospel, John never used the words repent, repentance, or faith to describe the way people were saved. Mm-hmm. Instead, he used believe, mm-hmm. since the term included all these. Oh. So, for so John, John preferred the verb form to emphasize that the act uh, the act that is necessary for someone to be t- saved total dependence on the work of another. So Man, that's, words, so, that, that's so good. I, go uh, ahead, explain why. I, you, you're getting what I'm getting. Yeah, yeah, for John, when he says believe, he's meaning that act of believe he's i think i think you can legitimately say he's he's coupling all those words together yes. when he says the verb form of believe wow that it's an active faith it, it brings repentance like and all of those things are kind of implied see, in that word to me that changes a lot about how i feel about using the word believe because i've um I, i've often i've struggled with this before in the past when i've talked to when i've uh, i've talked to other people about it like why do we say that we you know, you know, um, you know. I believe in Jesus, right? Or I, I, as opposed to, it seems as though that's something that I can't even will. But if if believe is when we when we're pulling it from its main source, which is John, yes. if if when we're saying that we're saying more than just this is more than just the intellectual assent to something. Yeah, that I think happens when you're confronted with who Jesus is, then. Obviously, you have to do something about it. Either you have to believe yeah. or choose not to believe. Yeah. So I, I think I call it a catalyst that the, 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 the believing, once you start, you, once you say, I believe, it kind of does this catalytic thing that happens right. for this spiritual thing to happen. Well, and I think that kind of, when you go back to what was going on with Nicodemus, he just didn't understand the spiritual aspect of it. Right. And so... the I guess this gets to another. another. I'll be quiet for a while. Let <laughs> no, no, no. It, 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 this is kind of exciting stuff because I, because I, um, this is even different because it because it wraps up repentance and faith and all those things. This is different than saying um, that a child believes in Santa Claus. Right. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. Because a lot of times, when if I believe in Santa Claus, I'm going to write a letter to Santa. I'm going to expect him to give me something. Yeah, but so it, there is a little act of his will to believe. There but, is, but, but but you're believing in something that doesn't really exist. Right, but it's it's different because right, the, my belief like, in Santa doesn't include repentance. Probably. Right, it doesn't include an a, a, like an active uh, faith or whatever. Maybe maybe. Maybe I act on that belief, but the belief itself, this seems to be different. I, 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 I guess that's what I'm getting at, is that the belief that we're seeing in John 3.16 and in John's gospel as a whole is different than the way that we typically use that word believe, and we need to know that. It is, and because uh, there, like, there is a lot wrapped up in what John's trying to say. It's like a lifestyle. It's like a lifestyle that, you know, that pleases God. And we would even say, to use the word believe, I mean, we would even say that like the demons and Satan believe in God, mm. but it's not in a belief that's wrapped up in faith, repentance, right. and a lifestyle towards God. Right, that's right. They take their belief and totally counter God, but that's because they do believe in him. They know who he is. But it's not like in a relational aspect. Mm. It's not in like lifestyle change. It's not in repentance. Or right. And, and that's why a lot of times in evangelism and all that, when people say, yeah, I believe in God, I think it's important for us to dig deeper into what mm. they actually think because, I mean, Satan believes in God, and you know he ain't saved. You yeah. Know, which meaning, depending on the person, I wouldn't necessarily say that first thing out of your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, with the... With a uh, Christian who's been a Christian for a while, you know, I think it's okay to push that to get them thinking a little bit. But what does belief actually mean? Because mm. I've I've seen I've used that before with people who have been in the faith a little while, and it's actually been a good catalyst to get them thinking. Like, what does it really mean to believe? Yeah, yeah. I think I think what does it mean to believe is a good question, and I think it's the same question that Nicodemus was struggling with. You know, um, Nicodemus is a Pharisee. Um, uh, People believe he was a Pharisee and probably also a scribe, um, based on some of the conversations that he was having with Jesus. And 
definitely a member of the Sanhedrin. Um, <clears throat> and so uh, this is someone who is absolutely wrapped up in everything that is literal and everything that is uh, that you uh, can observe that's in the observable world and the observable universe. He's very much about those things. And Jesus is trying to get to him and saying, the kind of thing that I'm talking about here is different. It's a, it's a different thing. It's a whole different animal than what you're dealing with, Nicodemus. It's You want to see the kingdom of God. You're looking for the Messiah to usher in this physical kingdom of God. Because that's the unstated. Nicodemus actually doesn't say, hey, how do I get into the kingdom of God? But it's the unstated question. And Jesus knows what he really wants to ask. And so he just goes right to the, right to the point, right? And he says, you know, you want to see the kingdom of God. The only way that can happen is if you're born again. And he's like, what? That doesn't even make any sense, Jesus. I can't crawl back into my mother's womb. I've already been born. How would I be born again? And that's one reason I love this passage so much. Just to, because to be honest, when I look at this, I'm thinking Jesus is almost like witnessing to a child. Because Nicodemus has a lot of responses that you would get, like out of children, like born again, you know. I can't go back into like my mom's stomach or anything like that, you know. Right. And so I think it's I think it's a great chat. I don't think it's on accident either that he uh, that John uses this to show like you know to show the greater point of what Jesus is getting at. Yeah, yeah. But to be fair to Nicodemus here, I mean, the, well, on this side of Christianity, yeah. we sort of know what he means when he says "born again." Right. Or, most, some people do. Uh, I think your whole point is that there's a lot of people who don't know what that means, right? They still wouldn't know what that means. You talk born again, and they might be starting to think reincarnation. I mean, that's probably the first thing that will pop into Well, in our culture, too, has kind of taken that born again or reborn, and they've, they've, they've kind of changed it into something else, uh, especially in the world we live in today where people can choose, you know, who they want to be and stuff. There's a lot of that language now that, that we would hear and think, Okay, we understand what they're talking about, but they're taking biblical words and things, and yeah. then they're taking them to apply them to their situation. So we're talking about like gender <clears throat> changes, yeah, yeah. So, like that. so yeah. that's why it's so important for us to kind of, you know, we've got to explain things when we talk to people because yeah, we do. You they know, may hear something else, and you're like, no, yeah, it's not yeah. that. You know, it's it's interesting to bring that up because um, in that in that culture, um, when you when you undergo a change and you change your name. Uh, the, the the proper terminology for um, for your previous name is that is your dead name. Mm. That's your dead name. Yeah. So that co-opting. We don't even do that. We don't even do that in Christianity. But it, it gets me thinking. Man, we should have like dead names. <laughs> we should have dead names and then new names. You know, it's like the, the don't 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 refer to me as Jonathan anymore because that's my dead name. I'm a Christian now, you know. I mean, like they, they. Well, I, I, I guess, I guess what I'm saying that is, is your name now, Christian. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we should all just be Christian, walking around. Who are you? I'm Christian. Right. But you know, because we are identified as individual people, so we have been given a name, the right. name of Christ, but uh, not as we're Christ, but we're following the Christ. Yeah. So I just um, find their. But yeah, so yeah, I so, find their commitment to. I find their commitment to. Their uh, their change that that change is actually stronger than the commitment I see in Christians, uh, in some ways. Do you know what I'm saying? I mean, it's like they really genuinely say, "No, please don't refer to me as that. I am no longer that person. I am a new creature." Yeah, uh, and and that's well, I mean, that's, that's language we've been using for years, right? That's biblical. That's biblical language, but it's you're right. It's it's being co opted. I get that, right? But. Um, I think Nicodemus, I mean, I talked about when he first talked to Jesus, he was acknowledging Jesus as a teacher and a rabbi and as a uh, miracle worker. Yeah. And, he's, and he even admitted, you know, you, oh, you can't do these things unless God's with you. So I think Nicodemus' whole, Nicodemus was like John the Baptist, really. He was like, are you the Messiah? Right. That's really what his question was. That is what his question And is. how am I going to be able to continue in the way I'm doing my religion and you know what? How does that all fit in? And Jesus is trying to say, no, that stuff. That's not the way. This there's a new way now through, and that's through me. So. Right. 
Um, well, he, I mean, he says, look, we know you have to be something special because yeah. nobody could be doing this thing right. you're doing. Yeah. Unless God and Nicodemus was, was a so, seeker. He came to him by night. Right. And later on in the book, uh, you see where he comes with Joseph of Arimathea. And we believe that Nicodemus became a believer later on. Because yeah. the same thing happens to them. Once you believe, you became a Christian, well, your name is dead because if a family is still Jewish, right. they were like, you're dead to me and you're ostracized from the synagogue and you're out of here. So, yeah. I mean... There's a lot of truth that this original first believers, um, it was a a, a, a a very dynamic change of life and lifestyle and following Jesus. I mean, you're, you're, everything you believed before mm. is kind of in the past now because you're following something new. Yeah. And um, so, so um, um, I just hate that, you know, the culture takes our words and that's why you got to be so important about explaining stuff so no it's it is it's important um i so to to kind of push the the the, the narrative on um, further here you know we, we talk about nicodemus doesn't understand jesus gives him uh uh jesus even says look you 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 look at the observable world and you you believe in the wind and you can't even see the wind you can see the effects of the wind, and he's like, "But how is all this possible?" He still is confused, and he says, "You're a respected Jewish teacher, and you, you don't understand these things." And then he, see, then he uses those believe words. Um, we tell you what we know and seen, and yet you won't believe our testimony. But if you don't believe me when I tell you about earthly things that you can understand, then how can you possibly believe if I tell you about heavenly things? And so we understand from this that. What Jesus is talking about, like you said, is is a different kind of transformation. It's a spiritual transformation. And it's in the next few verses that we actually begin to see him explain that. And that's what you pointed out. The next three verses, he says, um, uh, you know, you, you went back to John 1. Yes, I started with the conclusion, what his book's all about, and back to the prologue that as he introduces the topics he's going right. to explain throughout talking, the book. Right, we're talking about what John's, what, what yes. John's introducing here. Um, saying that he came to his own people and they even and even they rejected him, but to all who believed him and accepted him again that belief not just intellectual but but that I, that whole idea of, of faith and repentance and all and accepted him he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, right? Mm-hmm. Not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. It's interesting, Jeremiah. I, I, I guess maybe it hadn't occurred to me before, but. That rebirth language, I didn't realize that John mentions that in his in in his, in, in the first chapter. Like it, this is this is obviously going to be um, thematic throughout the throughout that gospel. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I can't think of any other spot though. I think it's just one and three, right? I think that's it. Yeah, <laughs> in the whole Bible. So it's interesting that he prefaces like the story of Nicodemus with this story about rebirth. Then, yeah, well, not the story, but this statement on rebirth here in one in one thirteen. Yeah, it's. Uh, it's clear that it's important to John. <clears throat> I don't know if he feels like he had a, a major spiritual rebirth, uh, so he wants to emphasize that. I think clearly Jesus taught on it. I just I just don't think that it um, it maybe struck others as much as it did John. Yeah. Because um, John seems to be quoting Jesus and getting his information and things from Jesus, but no one else seems to quote that. But Paul, Paul will kind of... Uh, Play on this motif though too, right? When he's talking about new creatures in Christ, yeah, and such. yeah, yeah. Hey, I think he likes different language. Yeah, I think he likes like essence, mm-hmm. like newness, rather than talking about born again and birth. He Paul likes to use like newness, new creation, new essence, new person. And Paul, of course, was Saul, right? He right. Had, he has the dead name. Right. Um, and becomes a new person, Saul or Paul. Right. And, and Paul, right. you know, is. Uh, speaking to the Gentile world and culture too, more than John would be. Mm-hmm. John's more speaking to a, a uh, Jewish culture. Well, he is, but this idea of rebirth is nothing that is anywhere close to being original to or uh, or like Jewish. Jewish. I mean, that's not that's not Jewish thought at all. In fact, if I heard the term rebirth in that in those days, I might be tempted to say, well, it comes from ideas that were. More Gentile than they were Jewish, but um, I don't. I'm not saying Jesus 
it's pulled from from no, 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 Gentile no. Uh, Greek ideas. I was just wondering why he wouldn't use that. Ideas. Maybe that's why he he steered steered away from that term. Then if the Gentiles had had already got it and they had a different meaning to it, he used other terms <laughs> to kind of explain. Yeah, like transformation. You know, he uses transformation. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, in Romans chapter twelve. But it's interesting that Jesus uses that term because Jesus, Jesus is talking to a Jewish. Well, I think I think the primary thing was because Nicodemus felt like because of his birthright, I'm born a Jew. Yeah, I did I like that. In here, yeah. I, I did like, like that. No, 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 no. Yeah, that gives you an opportunity to hear and, and believe in the Messiah, <laughs> but it takes more than. I actually forgot that's something else you brought up that I really liked in the message is that point there that it may be that the, the you're right I mean the Jewish people saw the kingdom of God as their birthright they placed a lot of emphasis on I was born into this family and because I have the blood of Abraham pumping in my veins I'm special um, and uh, because I'm special I get to see the kingdom of God and Jesus here is saying has nothing to do with the blood pumping through your veins. Has nothing to do with your connection to Abraham. Has everything to do with your connection to the Spirit of God. And 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 that's that's a different kind of birthright. And well, that would that yeah. would be important for a Jewish audience yes. to hear. Yeah, I mean, very important. And yeah. the sad thing too is we even done it in America. A lot of people thought because. When America was known as a Christian nation, if I'm born in America, I'm a Christian. Yeah. Or I was raised in the Baptist church, and I was born in the Baptist church, and I got dedicated and everything that happens that because of my birthright, I'm a Baptist, or I'm a Presbyterian, or I'm a mm-hmm. you know, Methodist, whatever, then being born into that culture automatically means you're a believer. And there's a lot of people believe that, that, that their children, because they're born into a faith, then the faith automatically passes on somehow. Right. So, I mean, I think that's kind of what Jesus is getting to here, too. Yeah, no, no. And, of course, we know that, that um, and this gets into your second point, that this belief that we're talking about is, is less a belief about um, some set of rules or a belief about uh, some principles, but is a belief <laughs> in who Jesus is. And Jesus points this out. And Jesus says, you know, that whoever believes in, in him in him now here's a question um when we when we talk about that in him um are there those who who say that the hymn <clears throat> refers to um are, are there anybody who tries to argue that the hymn refers back to the god uh, god in the first part of 16 so that for this is how god loved the world um he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in god Will not perish but have eternal life. Are there are there those who try to make that connection? I'm just curious. I never I never saw it, but I'm sure there's probably somebody that might. I'm sure in the English, I, I bet it's less ambiguous in the Greek. Honestly, mm-hmm. I bet the Greek actually qualifies that. I don't want even if I looked it up, I'm not sure I I could do it in the time we have here. But right, it has to do with the ending that's used. I, yeah. I, I actually I think I looked this up one time. I think it does reference specifically the it's son. Got, yeah. yeah, the one and only son. This, yeah, the only begotten. His only begotten son. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Yeah. Right. I bet I bet it's less ambiguous in the Greek. Well, then it is the right following verses would kind of go along with believing in Jesus too. That's that's true. We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll, well for that. sure. Yeah, we'll see yeah. that in a moment. We'll see that absolutely in a moment. And of course, I like the fact that you know um, you brought out um, one of my one of my favorite illustrations um, that Jesus uses here in this text, and it's that thirteen through seventeen where he refers back to mm-hmm. Moses and and the the the, the bronze serpent. Um, uh, we want to be careful here. It's not that um, that the serpent represented God um, when when that happened, right? The serpent represented the cause of death, um, and so the reason why he has him make a serpent is not so people will worship the serpent, although they end up doing that. They end up and condemned for it, right? and are condemned later for yeah. it. They 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 they, they, they were pushed in. Yeah, yeah. They, they give a name to it and begin to worship it as though it's God and they're condemned for it. That's what humans do, by the way. Yeah, that's, that's right. True. Well, in some ways, you know, we 
I mean, we could get into this, but in some ways, that's exactly what we did, they did with Jesus. They worship the cross more than they do Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they 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 make the emblem or the symbol the thing that they worship rather than the right, man that the was crucified, the symbol, right? Rather than the person who was crucified on it. So um, the whole point of that of that illustration, though, I, I love this because he talks about how Moses lifts that serpent up in the desert, and people have. People have to look up to it, right? That takes an act. You can't just, you know, you have to look to it, right? Um, and they, if they looked up to it, then they, they were healed because they were looking upon their, the source of their, of their death or whatever, right? And, and looking, you know, God had clearly given them, and uh, uh, this is where you are to look for for your healing. And to, to actually look at it and believe that, if I look at it, I'm going to be healed. Takes an act of belief and an act of right. It was more than yeah. just the, it was more than just the looking upon it. it was yeah. the belief that God had. Because I'm sure there was others that probably got snake bit that decided they weren't going to look. Right. I mean, you never know. Yeah, and so we know that 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 he here he's painting a picture, obviously, of of how he will become. You know, the very thing that that causes us to die is our sin, and so. Um, the source of our death, our spiritual death, is Jesus is, you know, the Bible says he made him sin, mm-hmm. right? He mm-hmm. made him the very source of our Cursed. spiritual death. And so we now look upon him lifted up as the one who is in the embodiment of the very thing that we, um, you know, he, he becomes sin on our behalf and is crucified and killed on our behalf. When we look to him and what he did on the cross for our own healing. And so this is a beautiful illustration um, that, that we see here um, that, that you're right, Nicodemus should have gotten because Nicodemus knows that story. Nicodemus, is a, as a Pharisee and scribe, knows the story of Moses in the wilderness. He knows about. And I bet, I bet you know, for some of them they were like, you know, it may have been a confusion to them. Like, wait, why did God give us this God to worship? And then when we did worship him, we got in trouble for it, mm-hmm. you know? And Jesus is like, yeah, you weren't supposed to worship him. He's yeah. explaining, he's, he's using here to say, look, let me explain why that you were given this, right? Um, but anyway, so he uses that, that example um, and then says um, so that... that um, the, the Son of Man must be lifted up like that serpent in the desert so that everyone who believes in him, clearly he's talking about the Son of Man there, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, will have eternal life. And so it makes sense that for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. So that hymn clearly is referencing the Son, not God. Mm-hmm. Although one could say that to believe in the Son is to believe in God. So it's not not like it's two different people anyway. Um, and so it's then, of course, we have the God sent His Son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through Him. And that had to be, that, that verse 17 had to be eye-opening for Nicodemus as well, because I think that the Jewish idea um, was what? Like, had to be more of the Messiah. Had to be this idea that he was going to come in and judge all the enemies of Israel. He was coming to lay waste to Israel's enemies, right, Blake? And, yeah. You know, um, that seems to be the idea I get from the Messiah. Yeah, kind of like a kind of like a hard nosed guy going to come in and you know kick butt, take names, and you know bring Israel back to the like to the glory days. And right. Is pretty much kind of what their uh, what their idea was, but Jesus is just a softer. A humble man, and they're like, "This is not what we expected." And obviously, it caused a lot of questions about whether they thought he was the Messiah or not. So, right now, to be clear, he will be judge. Yeah, <laughs> that is true. That judge. It's like everything they expected him uh, to do at his first coming, he'll do at his second coming. That's correct. Yeah. Um, so then you went through and and on your point here, Jeff, on um, believing who he is. Um, you, you you pointed out in different um, different sort of um, titles that are, are that are used to reference Jesus 
throughout John's gospel. Mm. I think he used exclusively... Just about, about three or four of them. Yeah, I yeah. I think you used exclusively John references for all these. I mean, like, yeah, and I wanted to make sure yeah, the, yeah, the, the, the believe, the verb believe was attached to whatever the title was. Mm. That's yeah. interesting. So, right, so... Um, yeah, the, the starting with like the the response of the people at um, in the Samaritan Samaritan woman at the well. I just did that Wednesday night, by the way. Um, mm. that I just I love that, that t- story. T- I love that story. Oh, well, I, I forgot John's how much my, John's. My I, I forgot how much I love that text until yes. I was teaching it, and I was like, "Man, this is so good. Mm. <laughs> this is such a good text." I mean, really, John basically is like he's revealing who Jesus is through everything. I mean, his whole gospel. The signs, the stories, the interactions, the healings, they all, they all keep coming back to this. This this is so you can really believe, you know, this is the guy. You know, and he's even like that a lot in first John, because even at the end of first John he says, I've Yeah, John, if you yeah. added first, second, third John, then the believe numbers even go up even more. Oh, for but sure. I didn't I didn't add yeah. all them. I just oh, that's interesting. Because uh, he basically uses Pretty much the same ending he does in First John with the Gospel of John. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so um, we'll go run down the list of these. The first one, actually, is the, the, from from the from the people at the Samaritan village, is the one that I probably find the most interesting because these are Samaritans, and um, their words are now we believe. Not just because of what you told us, but because what we have heard, because we have heard him ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the savior of the world. The savior. That's a that's that's not something I would expect to hear from a Samaritan. Yeah. I, I, uh, maybe I'm wrong, but that that term savior t- is more than just Messiah. That's somebody who's coming to rescue the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm trying to think, is there another, like, is there a place where Messiah is referenced as Savior? As, well, as... It, actually, in New King James, when you read that verse, I use the NLT, the New King James says the, that we believe that he is the Christ, the Savior of the world. Hmm. We know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. I'm just, I'm just happy that it's, it's odd that it takes the Samaritans to say this, but that it's not the savior of Israel, it's the savior of the world. Right. Yeah. Because well, they're excluded from it. I don't know. Right. Yeah. Right. right. <clears throat> and so and, I don't. Yeah. When every time you talk about Messiah, every time you talk about Christ, it's always tied to Israel. But here, uh, uh, I don't. I don't know if they say Messiah or Christ in the original. I don't have. It well, she calls him. She says we know that Messiah is oh, here. Come, yeah. 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 Right? She she says that. Yes. And the Samaritans had an idea of the Messiah. Yeah, they were expecting to. They were expecting yeah. Messiah. Even as though well. they had they had their own worship, then they had the the mixed worship and all. They still technically believed in in the Messiah that was yeah. coming. And that yeah. yeah. kind of goes back to what Paul was talking about. You know, a lot of Jews they were it was really a mystery how God could in like include how God could include the Gentiles and yeah. like his plan through this Messiah. The Gentiles kinda always seem to have like gotten it. You know, you think of uh Rahab, uh Ruth, yeah in the Old Testament, the Samaritan woman, and he even he says, you know, to the Jews, it was a mystery, but now it's not that Gentiles are in this plan of salvation. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, I just find it interesting that mm-hmm. that not only Jay they, they they say that you know we're um, the world we, they're the world part, but that yeah, it's Savior that mm-hmm. that language of Savior that <clears throat> he's coming to rescue the world. And and you wonder what their idea of that was. Um, but yeah, and then of course the other title here that's used is Son. That comes up in John 5.18. Uh, the Jewish leaders tried all the harder to find a way to kill him, for he not only broke the Sabbath, he called God his Father, uh, thereby making himself equal with God. So this idea that he was a son, um, that he believed, he, you know, he, his belief was that he was um, the Son of God. Um, the Holy One from God, that one comes from John 6, 66 through 69. 
let's see. At this point, that's where a lot of his disciples turned yeah, away and deserted him. He's telling all this stuff about and he's eating my body and drinking my blood. Right, right. And they're, and like, they're all like, whoa, like, whoa, 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 we're not vampires and cannibals here, yeah, Jesus. We, we didn't know. <laughs> so his, it was like that whole, that whole, I mean, you see we're at 69, so that whole chapter is a huge chapter. Right. And it's just a whole big discourse and argument about who he is and then these people are finally like okay we're walking away from you. yeah and and he says and he's asked the 12 are you going to leave too and and they and peter is the one who replies who will we go to you have the words that give eternal life That's right. we believe there's that believe word and we know you are the holy one of god now that holy one of god or the I, I would almost read that as like the anointed one of God, which would refer to him as the Christ. Right? Yeah, we know it's it's Peter's way of saying we believe and we know you are the Christ. You are the Messiah, even if they didn't understand completely what that meant. But the, they did believe that he had the words that give eternal life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so that's that's interesting um, that Peter understood. That part, but I guess he's talking more. I guess he's thinking well, more. John, about and remember, John's written at the latter part of uh, everything. Right, that's true. The Matthew, Mark, and Luke are at the be- very beginning point. So John pretty much is pretty much everything up to this point, kind of setting the stage to Jesus is going to Jerusalem and being right. Cross. So, so this is a later time period that 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 they had this more full knowledge of who he is. So, sure. Um, and then, of course, we can get into the I am statements. Yeah, I, 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 I thought about doing all them. I thought, no, nah, I think I'm just going to do the one about uh, Abraham. Yeah. Because I thought that was the really the key essential one. Yeah, no, that's that really one. showed that Jesus claimed what he was claiming to be, uh, and they were ready to kill him for it. Mm-hmm. Whereas yeah. bread of life, light of the world, all that. I, I wouldn't kill somebody for that. But when he basically says, you know, before Abraham was, I am, then they knew he's saying that I'm, I'm the Messiah. I'm, I'm standing right here in front of you. You don't use that. Like you said, you don't use in in Jewish culture. You don't, you would never refer to, you don't, first off, you don't refer to God with the words I am. Yes. And then second off, you would never say, that's me. Yeah. And I think, and I think one. so blasphemous in their, in their culture. And I think when Jesus says something so direct like that, there's no mistaking. He literally just said he was God. He yeah. didn't say he was like God. There is no Because some people try to, to say yeah. Jesus never claimed to be God. No, like, and you never read the book of and John. This is, and this is here because he well, literally claims to be God. Well, in other places, he, the, he claims, to, he yes. claims divine. The, yeah. The, the, well, he, for, for instance, and I think you've pointed this out before, Jeremiah, he, in other books, people worship him. And he doesn't stop them from worshiping him. So I mean, he, you know, if, if well, he, we're going to see that here right, if he was a good, too, if, yeah. if he was a good, good Jew, um, he would have stopped them from worshiping him, and he right. never does. Um, so yeah, he says um, uh, that's why I said you will die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am who I claim to be, you will die in your sins. I'd be curious to know if in the Greek, uh, in that John eight twenty four, where he says. Pardon me. When he says "I am," whether it's in reference to the Yahweh's term or whether he's just using "I am," and so, the translator well, they capitalized. Yeah, they capitalized it in the. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely Greek, though. It's it would say uh, "ego and me." Yeah, it wouldn't say Yahweh. All right, so so it wouldn't. But if you take we, that Greek and the Septuagint, is it the same? Yeah, they use "ego and me." I mean, it's yeah. yeah. So there's he's no doubt the about thing. it. Yeah. yeah, right. Definitely, definitely. When he says. Um, because they, they asked before him, Abraham, was, yeah, are you yeah, greater yeah. than our father Abraham? He died, and so the prophets, who do you think you are? And he's like, well, yeah, you're only, you're not even fifty years old. Yeah, I tell you the truth, before Abraham was even born, I am. That one, <laughs> yeah, that one's yeah. clear. Like yes. he, if you didn't catch it the first one, yes. then that one is definitely. Even if he says ego, I me, I mean, that's yeah. definitely clear what he's doing yes. there. Yes. Um, yes. Although he wouldn't have said ego, I me, because he wouldn't be speaking Greek. Um, but Aramaic, yeah, he'd been speaking Aramaic there. Um, and then that, that you you know that they got it then because they tried to stone him. Oh yes, like it's not even yes. <laughs> they, they know what he's claiming. First time so they started trying to plot his death. This time they're ready to just make it happen. Yeah, make it happen then. So when we're talking about belief, then um, and and we're talking about believing in in this in this sort of spiritual way that involves a spiritual transformation, the kind of belief that John three sixteen <clears throat> entails. This whoever believes in him. Um, 
it's it it involves clearly some um, you you have to have at some level some will willful um, faith and repentance uh, in believing that he is Savior Son the Holy One from God and mm. the I am like he is God um, apart from that I don't think you can have eternal life right, right. like could you um, is it possible for someone to say believe in Jesus but not um, but that belief not entail that he was God um, or the under, or have an understanding that he was God I don't think so personally. so even for a child so what because so, I can yeah. think children are yeah gonna, I was going to say I children think, are going to have a real hard time understanding that yeah. Jesus is both human and 100% man and 100% God here Hey, I mean, there are yeah. adults that struggle with that. Yeah. Right? I, there are people in this room that might struggle with that. I even struggle with that. Yeah. I would, say, I would say that, like, you don't fully have to. It's not me. <laughs> I would say, uh, you know, you don't, you don't have to fully understand. You know, if you don't understand, you have to, you know, acknowledge it in faith. Yeah. You don't have to fully understand, but you cannot deny it. Like you can't deny it. Well, and like what John said, this is so you will believe and continue to believe. So I think when you first come to faith, you come to faith with with what you know. And as a child, if you're seven or eight years old, you're you know Jesus died for you. So you're basically coming to him as your savior. You know you're not really that big of a sinner and all that stuff. So you're coming to faith in him. But then your life and knowledge, you continue to believe in him. If you're going to come to a greater understanding of who he is. But I guess my question in that is, like, what am I putting my faith in, right? Like, if I'm if, if I'm a child and I'm putting my faith in Jesus, and I don't know him as God, I don't understand that he's God, then what he did is is not effectual for me, right? Because, I mean, it, it, it I don't is. I you're talking about a child. And ch- you can't come to Christ with childlike faith. Oh, I, I agree. So, but the greater understanding comes later. I believe. Okay. I think with uh, sometimes, you know... It doesn't diminish the fact that he is God. You just haven't come to that realization yet fully, I don't believe. And you will at one time if you stay... You know, I'm not saying you have to have a fully orbed belief on... on well, nobody, you know, nobody on would Jesus. become a believer. <laughs> right. Right. Nobody Jesus. would become a believer if you had to know everything... In, you know, no, I'm talking about even a fully ordered belief as far as Jesus, you know, human and divine, and that, that's hard to that's hard to wrap your head around. Yeah. I get that, but I do think that the point you're making here in this sermon is that belief, the kind of belief that we see in John three sixteen, is belief in Jesus as God. Yes, is belief as in Jesus as divine and as the Savior. Um, and the reason why he's the Savior is because he is divine. And so um, I guess what I'm, what I'm pressing on here is can you believe, can you have a saving faith that doesn't include that belief, that doesn't include the belief that Jesus is divine, that Jesus is, is God? Do did, did you, did yeah. you understand what I'm saying here? Yeah, I mean, my son's my son's not a believer yet. I wouldn't say that, but he believes in God, right? Right. And I think even at five, he has a pretty solid understanding of what Jesus being God means. Okay. Because um, like he'll he'll say stuff like, "Dad, my my favorite hero is Cap, but but he's not as good as God." <laughs> All the time. I mean, he compares like no matter what he says, he always does that cl- that clarifier of, "Oh, but that that's not as good as God." That's and awesome. so, like, his conception of God is pretty simple, but his conception is God is the greatest thing. If mm-hmm. there's something that's greater than him, I want to believe in that. Right. And so and it might be a moot point because I think even children can grasp at least, like, the greatest conceptual thing. For them, the greatest conceptual thing might not be that big. Right. But it's still the greatest conceptual thing for them. Sure. And talking with kids, like, you know, Jesus, you know, I kind of relate to it, you know, when talking about, like, if they have, like, a question on the Trinity, I'll be like, God became a man, and we called him Jesus. And they can and they can kind of understand that in those simple forms. And mm-hmm. I, just, I just don't think you can deny, outright deny that, you know, if I say that Jesus was 
like God or if Jesus was like a birth son of God, I don't think you can I don't think you can have genuine faith if you yeah, don't I think, affirm I that think he is. If God. you believe that Jesus is just a man who dies on the cross when you say no, that, that's my, not saving faith. I put my faith in that man named Jesus. No, that's not saving faith. That, and that's what I'm getting at. All that's right, a, so I'll give you a I'll give you a good good uh missionary illustration. Um the the peace child. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. For right. them to to get this tribe to understand because the hero in their story was Judas, because it was a cannibalistic tribe. Yeah, I remember that. And um, and so the man, like when he told the story, they all cheered for Judas because they thought it was the greatest thing in the world that he basically got this guy killed. And there's no way he could figure out how to get them to believe in Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so uh, uh, a child died in in a tribe somehow or another. I, I don't know really the whole story, but a tribe. A, a child died in a tribe and there was going to be a war and the only way to keep the the tribes from from fighting each other and killing each other is the one tribe then would, would the chief would give his son to the other tribe mm-hmm. and they had to raise that child as their mm-hmm. own and right. as long as that child it was called a peace child lived there would be peace yes and so he comes up with the whole concept now that you're believing in the peace child so that's their basic understanding of who God was and sent his son. Mm-hmm. But he's now, but he's not, we don't worship the Judas God. We worship the peace child. Right. So right. I think, uh, like what Jeremiah was saying, they believe in a God, but they also believe in Jesus, but they may not have made the connection yet. And that will come later. Yeah. So I think that's why that verse is, for God so loved the world that he gave Jesus, you know, his only begotten son. So I, th- I think it's all in there um, because once you put your faith and trust in him you want to know more about him and then you realize hey because a lot of people don't really understand Jesus is God I mean even people oh that- uh, no I know I, there, there are plenty of, <laughs> I, I remember I remember having a distinct conversation with a woman I, I I had a great deal of respect for really strong Christian lady and she told me she was late in life before she was never taught that Jesus was God yeah. never was taught that Jesus was God she believed that Jesus was the Son of God, but she didn't know that Jesus. Well, they have was like a hierarchy. God. I know a person that had a hierarchy that God was here, Jesus, Jesus. was second, and maybe the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit was somewhere down and then the hierarchy. Was like, yeah, it's like this hierarchy thing, and um, so I think saving faith. Uh, that's God didn't come to judge the world <laughs> to condemn it, but He's came right. to save it. So I think I'm going to leave that up to God. Sure. To, to understand and know exactly what that means, all I know is that when you, when you do put your faith and trust in Him, even as Savior, there comes a time where He's got to be Lord too. You, where you come to that realization that, you know, okay, I've, I've entered into this um, this journey as a believer now. What does that mean, and how do I live live that life? Sure, sure, sure. Which which you know is is part of that believe, but continue to believe. Yeah. So. All right. Well, um, we're actually out of time. We're going to hit the. Get, I know we don't get to hit the third point. Maybe we can do this in another time. Because we, we, we're literally almost at an hour here. So, yeah. Um, well, the last one was basically the whosoever. Right. Which we kind of covered it's earlier right. in some ways. Like, it, we're all that, that this is available to all peoples. That, Like you said, the Samaritans even realized that, that this is the Savior of the world, not just the Savior of the Jewish people. This, this, this belief um, is available for every man, woman, boy, or girl that's ever been born on the planet. Whosoever, whoever, anyone and everyone. Anyone and everyone. Even the people we don't like, it's for them too. And so we need to go and take it to all the world. Uh, Not just, uh, and starting with our own backyards, right? Um, This is truth that needs to be proclaimed. And um, um, hopefully you're inspired to do so. And maybe we helped you with some clarifying things today. Uh, I know we got into some deep waters, uh, but good, good, good discussion. Really good discussion today, guys. All right, well, um, that will do it for today. Now, I we we not talked about this, but um, I, we're we're all here the Wednesday after the fourth, right? No, so I'm not. You're not. So you're you're leaving. You're leaving before that. After church uh, this coming Sunday, we're going to talk about a better country. Right. Hebrews 11, 13 through sixteen. Right. And then um, I'll be gone. Well, the office is closed on Monday. Yeah. So see, y'all do, do Monday main point Wednesday when y'all get here. Yeah, we'll probably do a midweek. Y'all do it without me. All right, we'll do a midweek main point on Wednesday then. So look for us again on Wednesday of next week. 
We won't be here on Monday. Uh, everybody have a happy, safe Fourth of July. And, uh, and you're going to be talking about having a better country, right? We're looking for a better country. The title of the message is A Better Country. A Better Country. Uh, that might not mean what you think it means. And that's all I'll say about that. <laughs> all right. Y'all take care. And we'll see you on the next one. Thanks for joining us for this. And so long.